0: Welcome to the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on current events, trends, market reports, and community discussions. Join us each week from Tampa, Florida, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Patrick Kelly.
1: Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Patrick Kelly. As always, I am honored to be here, coming to you live from Tampa, Florida. Today is July 19th, 2021, everyone, and we are here to celebrate our one-year anniversary with Ag Tools and Martha Montoya. We also have a couple featured guests today, such as Jennifer Waxman and Adam Wright of The Village is Grown, and we also have Michael Chavez of Flavorway Fresh and Golden Star Citrus, Co-hosting this episode with us today. Now it is PMA Food Service Week that'll be starting on Wednesday, and guess what? We also have our virtual networking hour with Tops Markets very own Jeff Katie at 6 p.m. Wednesday, July 21st. Everyone, so please. Tune in and register for that event as well. Let's not forget, we have the Global Organic Produce Expo coming up the first week of August in Jacksonville, Florida at TPC Sawgrass. So if you were interested in being on the podcast, let's connect and get you on the Produce Industry Podcast at the Global Organic Produce Expo in Jacksonville. Don't forget to tune in to the Produce Industry Show each week on YouTube. We have premieres every Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, with cool companies and dynamic sponsors from the produce industry, everyone. Without further ado, let's get our first guest, Martha Montoya, on the line, and then bring on The Village is Grown. Hey, Martha, welcome back to the show.
2: Uh, hello. Well, thank you so much. And uh, amazingly, we're back uh, together for a whole year.
1: It has been a little bit since we talked. I'll be real, everyone. It, Martha and I don't talk every day. She is extremely busy. I've got this new child that I'm taking care of beyond all the produce things. So we are always swamped. But the last time we spoke, Martha... It was sponsorship month during March. We were coming up on a one-year anniversary, and we hit the one-year anniversary of the Produce Industry Podcast. But today we're on the line because guess what? It is a year anniversary of Martha and Ag Tools being a sponsor of the Produce Industry Podcast, the first sponsor of the Produce Industry Podcast, the title sponsor of the Produce Industry application, everybody. So uh, Martha, it's always great to have you on the line and just be chatted up about produce supply chain and data and analytics.
2: Yes, definitely, and, and remember a year ago we thought we were going to be normalized differently and we kept postponing that normal life and I still think we're still trying to normalize our life and our industry
1: what's normal? Geez, I feel like we are normal again. And I mean by that is we have changed our habits, everyone. There's new ways of doing things. So yeah, if, you, if that's what you're talking about, Martha, I'm normal again, because I, I feel like my habits are, they've changed. We've reprogressed. We're out again. And I'm not saying I'm going back to the old me, but I've changed. And this is the new
2: normal. It is the new norm. And for us, I have seen it in the um, in the customer base, in the industry base, that, yeah, last year was a little bit more of like when you get knocked out <laughs> in a ring, in a boxing ring, and then you like wake up and like get up and you're like, okay, now this is the norm. Let me see how I keep fighting the fight. But now I'm more in defense, uh, in a defensive mode than a reactive mode.
1: Oh, yeah, very true. I think that we were going from resilient to reactive to proactive. Now it's getting into the persistency again, right? Um, You know, what's crazy is, is what, or what I like about this craziness is, is that we're all starting to use technology a little bit differently. Heck, we just talked a little bit about the mobile application. Um, And that gets into ag tools as well. I I have seen a tremendous uptick in just the way that even I I look at, you know, I'm a citrus guy, everyone, how I look at citrus. I mean, imports was crazy over the last 18 months uh, between coming, if you imported in 2019 citrus compared to 2021 today, it, it was completely different, Martha. And being able to see those trends, analyzing the reports, figuring out the cost models, it was just always a help coming in and out every single day.
2: Definitely there's a there's a shift in the whole industry um, while we adjust to the fact that we have less labor r- 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 the water issues uh it is definitely going to be will change the trajectory has changed for our industry and we'll have to see how we adapt and survive
1: 100 we are here to adapt and survive though, aren't we we always are that's that's what we do everyone is adapt and survive but you know before we just, you know start talking about data analytics, I- I'm serious, Martha. I am just excited uh, to be able to say we've had a, a year plus partnership. And I say a year plus because obviously um, you started listening to the podcast in April. And we're here today. And and everybody, there's so much more to come on the podcast. Uh, There's so much more to come for the Produce Industry Show on YouTube, everyone. If you haven't checked out, the Produce Industry Show has over 1,220 subscribers. And we have videos that are releasing every Friday, everyone. And it it really excites me, Martha, just to be building the produce industry. As I say, and I'll keep saying it. Building it together, and I think that's what's just so fun about this, and having you on the line today, is that we're doing something that is not the norm. We're creating a new normal, really, Martha. But, we are.
2: Yes, and 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 for us in general, one of the biggest shifts. That, I'm not talking about data, but talking about industry. Uh, when we went when we started this path, we were kind of on the act tech segment of the industry, and or on the retail act. Ad- the retail tech of the industry and really produces neither one produces the middle of it and so the whole industry through this last 2020 2021 has learned that this segment of the industry is crucial for the farm and for the buyer so it's the two extremes that we are we're in the middle of that
1: it's it's a balance too, right? It's a balance that we all have to learn and a balance we all have to play, Martha. And again, we are here at a year, everyone. The podcast was April first, two thousand twenty. The sponsorship started. Today, July 2020 to today, July 2021. I appreciate meeting everybody on Martha's team and getting a real kick in the butt, Martha. Data and insights really impact our business. So, Martha, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. If anybody wants to, you know, reach out or get a hold of Ag Tools, how can they go about doing that?
2: Definitely visit our website, which we just relaunched a little bit better because, our data is good for certain different. The data is seen in different ways by different stakeholders. Um, The buyer versus the seller versus the trader versus the logistics. So we have created this site that has a different aspect to each one of them that will start linking to your uh, um, uh, uh, app because then, we start being more educated on how each one of the stakeholders manage data in order to streamline and make more money, obviously.
1: I love it. And I did notice the new revamp to the website. You got to check out the podcast page. You can get all of the interviews that AgTools has been on as well. So check out the new website contact ag tools now let's get into our featured guest of today thank you martha and we will see you in the fields or on the horizon
2: here we go thank you
1: so much all right everyone let's get ready to rumble bring mike chavez on line from the green room and let's get chatting with the villages grown hey mike welcome back on man great to have you co-hosting
3: today hey patrick thanks for having me on glad to be here and uh back on the podcast once again
1: You know, what's funny, from one show to another, from one Zoom call to another, it seems like we're starting to show up in a lot of these, uh, I would say, places in the virtual space nowadays, more than uh, than most, wouldn't you say, man?
3: I think so. For a guy who doesn't have any more social media than LinkedIn, I feel uh, very proud to say that I'm getting more involved in the digital space and uh, making that active effort to get my personal brand and my company's brands out there.
1: You know, what's crazy is, and today we've got a pretty cool special guest. Uh, We have two actually, and it's, really about new agriculture or agriculture that's already been there. I mean, Mike, you're a traditional farmer. You guys got about 600 acres of California citrus, which with a lot of dirt, a lot of land, a lot of water, right? A lot of soil, a lot of, a lot of, uh, I would say, dirt under the fingernails, um, ground, right? And and you guys have been doing that for, for many years. So we're going to be talking with, obviously, someone that we connected with on LinkedIn, uh Kind of thinking about our flavor wave app but then now you know i've went and visited them they're they're right here in ocala wildwood florida actually and you know they've got 85 acres of really controlled environment agriculture i mean the owner i get lost going there i knew exactly where it is it's like on the way to my in-laws house mike so i knew like exactly where this spot was um but we're talking about literally I always call it greenhouse grown product, man. I mean, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk with the Villages Grown, Jennifer Waxman, and Adam Wright. Um, talking everything CEA, man.
3: Yeah, I'm excited to have this discussion and looking at the Villages Grown on their website, on their LinkedIn, I'm talking to Jennifer a bit. Um, we actually connected randomly while I was out for a job from the office, and she got my information and called my called my cell phone, so I'm, I'm like panting and running And was like, I'm sorry, what is this? What is this call? And she was uh, interested in the flavor of application. So anyway, we got to talking and our schedules haven't exactly synced up, but I was really excited and looking forward to this call to get, uh, to get her on the line as well as Adam and uh, explore, you know, I would say, uh, you know, a different world compared to to my typical farming. Um, Just, just a totally different space. Very interesting. Um, I've connected with uh, one other uh, controlled environment ag company actually down the road here who's in a different uh, different growing uh, or different items. but uh, I'm very excited to see what uh, hear more about the villages grown and see what uh, Jennifer and Adam
1: have to say. We can go back and forth all day. Uh, let's get our guests on the line because that's what's most important today. Jennifer Waxman and Adam Wright, welcome to the show. Hi there. Hi, Thank right. you
0: for having us. Thanks for having
1: us on. Yeah, great to have you both on the show. I mean, obviously, only being within probably an hour and a half apart of each other, this is probably the closest interview I've done via, uh, I would say, this, the Zoom technology platform. I mean, I should have just went and did this in person, but we're we're close. I mean, we're an hour and a half away, and it's great to have uh, both of you on. I mean, I was really excited coming to the facility, just talking to you, Jennifer. We had a great time. I mean, I was actually looking at one of the recordings we did. And I was replaying some of the footage, looking at what you were, you know, the big the roots in the background of the kale. Remember the big purple like kale trees? And I just replayed and replayed it going, what the heck is going on here? Like, because it's new for me. Right. And, And Mike, you know this. I mean, coming from going out to a field of 60 acres, right, which we did when we were we were just with each other. Um, compared to going in eighty-five acres, it's 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 almost mind-blowing, right, Mike?
3: Absolutely amazing um, operation, totally different uh, line of agriculture, and I think no matter what, Patrick, with my background and your background, seeing an accomplishment like that and an operation like
1: that is just mind-blowing well thank you (laughs) yeah yeah i was gonna say for sure so let's look at it the village has grown i mean first of all the name says it right and i'll let you two tell the story because the village has its own community um very I would say popular community, but give us the 30,000 foot overview of the Villages grown, Jen. I mean, talk to me a little bit. I know you've been in this world your entire life, um, but talk to me about what you've done and what the company is doing uh, right there in Wildwood.
0: Absolutely, so I don't think it's a secret. The Villages is the largest retirement community in the world, Um, and the developers have very progressive ideas of how they want to keep people healthy, active, and engaged here. Um, And they had every piece of the spoke in the wheel um, from entertainment and recreation to um, learning how to do anything that might be on your bucket list, whatever it may be, it's all happening here. But the one thing that was missing was the creation of their own local food system. And the developers' roots are in agriculture. So this was always a legacy project they had in the back of their mind. But it finally got to the point where I would say media has Believe it or not, done a good job, um, especially during um, our trials and tribulations with COVID, of exposing the fact that we have a broken food system and definitely a broken hyper local food system, and we don't know where our food comes from, and we really need to harness the food as medicine approach. So, all those things came into play, and the developer reached out to our consulting firm uh, several years back, and we just started. You know, I think they wanted a couple greenhouses and see what it was gonna do. And by the time we were done, it's like, no, we can change the world and let's create a plan of how we can do that. And we believe we've got the plan um, more based off of many of the failures in the industry that we were a part of, especially as controlled environment agriculture entered the U.S. in a big way on a commercial production scale way, which has only been over the last 10 years, uh, quite frankly, though I've been in it since 2000. And so all the pieces and makings were there Um, And and you started having the villagers, which is what we call the residents here, um, asking for their own local food system. So the stars aligned. Um, We wrote a feasibility study that was vertically integrated. If you're truly gonna create a local food system, you can't just be the grower. You have to open your doors to all the other hardworking local farms in the community. Um, we also open those doors to artisans who create wellness backed plant based uh, finished product utilizing our product and those of our local farm partners. We knew we had to be the distributor at some level, because our model is food is medicine and harvested into that end user within a two at most 48 hour period so that nutrients taste look feel are intact. Um, we also so now we've gone from grower to an aggregator to distribution but. None of this matters if we're not educating. So this is an education-based community-centric model. Food is medicine. Um, And we've got a population that's ready to be heard and ready to listen. They're retired, they're taking their health into their own matters, um, their own hands. And and so they wanna know the why. Um, And and so we start with our core community here in the villages, but um, as you mentioned earlier, eventually we will be, um, we're on 85 acres. 40 acres will be in our production, most of that vertical. So we have a lower carbon footprint, higher yield. But what you came to was just our first nine acres and we'll be doing seven and a half million pounds of produce in that nine acres alone um, due to the efficiencies and growing vertical that we've created. Um, And we have a diversified product mix as well. So you can't have a local food system with just growing lettuce, which is what most CEAs do. Yes. We had to have a product mix of tomatoes, lettuces, herbs, microgreens, Um, cucumbers, specialty items. Um, And so we have a well-diversified product mix as well. And whatever we don't grow, we try to bring in our local farm community to fill in those seasonal gaps, even though we grow 365 days a year. So that's it in a nutshell, but I could go on forever. I don't know that we have that That's just it,
1: that's just (laughs) it. Mike, you know, I mean, Mike, as we talk off the mic all the time, look at this, right? And, and I know your head's probably spinning right now, but you, I tell Mike this all the time. You can't just sell citrus, man, right? And, and this is something that's crazy because you hear it from uh, someone's in the that's in the CEA, obviously different, um, I would say, growing practices. You're still in the ag community, um, but this is almost music to my ears listening to it, talking about building a community a, around fresh produce too, right? I mean, that's why I think it's so cool. And yeah, you do have a community. The villages being the largest retirement uh, village and literally everybody, it is a village. It's crazy. It's an awesome, there's golf courses golf courses, there's water fountains. It's, it's all over the board. Trust me. There's, it's a really cool spot. Um, but it's just, it's crazy Mike because as we, as produce people, Right. I mean, just trying to sell to a wholesaler, a retailer. And don't get me wrong. I mean, Jennifer and I had some of the conversations of some of the retailers and and some of the people that they've chatted with. Right. But how crazy is it is that the community's asking for it. You know, they're asking for it, Mike. I mean, when's the last time you had the community come and say, I need you to del- deliver all your oranges to Visalia, California, right?
3: Family and friends all the time. Hey, <laughs> I need some citrus. <laughs> you're you can? You're right. Uh, you're, you're going over to, from Woodlake to Visalia. I know you live in Visalia. I live smack dab in the middle. Don't be afraid to leave a box on my porch. <laughs> but uh, no, no, fun, funny. It, very interesting. Very interesting uh, structure here. Um, one thing that definitely resonated. I mean, the practices are clearly different than our typical conventional ag, uh, or at least my typical convention of uh, ag practices in the citrus industry. But the fact that Jennifer and her group there understood the demand, really focused on their community, and took the initiative to not only you know operate the growing the growing operation, but also the distribution. That that's a big deal. I know I've been on a few calls and I was actually on one this morning and we discussed, you know, we're marketing ourselves, we're doing podcasts, we're doing uh, marketing campaigns online and you're garnering this following, so to speak, of your brand or your product or both really. And once you get to a tipping point of, okay, there's direct consumer demand, the the notion that I get from some of the uh, people involved that we spoke with was, well, yeah, but they go to the, they go to the retail grocery store and that's where, that's where our product is. There's no, there's no ambition from what I gather to actually service the consumer. That's exactly what you guys are doing the whole produce chain through. So I'm blown away by that. What, what, I mean, is it just looking at the demand and the responsibility that you feel to your community that drove that or what really drove the distribution side of that?
0: Well, you're exactly right. Um, our whole consulting firm was prior to developing and implementing the villages grown was based off educating about the why of a local food system. In fact, we started Slow Food Orlando back in 2006. Um, We put on a very large expo here in Florida, probably a little ahead of its time of why we need to know where our food comes from and sustainability practices in general. we've been beating our heads against a wall uh, with this message just being called big hippies for a long time until till media helped change its course I'd say in the last six to eight years people are listening um, and COVID really brought that to the forefront even more so I mean people had time to watch all these great documentaries that were at uh, on agriculture on food as medicine on on big pharma and all these these factors that are playing into understanding a sustainable and secure local food supply, um, and so when we're out there educating here in the villages, again these are these are people that are ready to hear messages, and so we could talk to 100 to 150,000 people at a time um, with multimedia approach here, and so but everybody's watching the villages. You know, there's there's this is the Fountain of Youth. So when we're educating here in our own community, that's resonating outside these walls um, to the state of Florida, which is an ag state that's lost its way and is coming back. I hope. So we've got a lot on our shoulders, but we, we've got people listening finally. And it was no overnight thing. So many people say to us, like, "Wow, you're so you've been so successful in a short time." No, this has been since 2000, and I'm dating myself that we've been preaching this, and it's just now come to the forefront. And now um, we can't even service as many people as we'd like to. So our model is going to start changing a bit where it's a lot more education based focus. And and that's why I thank you guys for giving us this opportunity to speak to a wider audience, because this is going to be our mission and our our motivation going forward is, is the education piece, both on a direct to consumer and a business to business platform.
1: For sure. No, and we appreciate you coming on the show. I mean, that's what makes the Produce Industry Podcast so cool is that it's about growing together because there's so many things I can see the conversations off the mic that could happen between obviously Mike and Jen and Adam without me, right? Because obviously uh, my hands have never really been in the ground like Mike's family has. I mean, they've got the packing houses, so they've got all this. And and I remember uh, three years ago, Mike and I were endeavor, you know, put, doing some new endeavors and it was like hey do you want to get into lettuce remember mike we had this greenhouse that was growing lettuce and it was funny because we were so intrigued by it we, we really were mike was like we got to figure out how to do this we got to figure it out and i think you're so right i think 2020 just enhanced it you had you know wholesalers in the produce and supply chain industry food service distributors that were looking at how they could partner with local farms right because they needed produce in just-in-time inventory they couldn't be getting all these loads in anymore and holding these inventories because guess what no one could pay those bills during those times in covid with all everybody shutting down so it, it is interesting that it i it grew so fast right within 2020 but i like i said it, i appreciated it because of that that fact you mentioned watching all the shows. You're right. I mean how many how many Netflix series were there out? You forgot the zoo one. We you know, this people were so uh infatuated with. But we're going to stick to ag on this one, okay? Um but you know it, it's so true. We were able to sit down and and learn about what is happening. Where does our food come from? I mean even my buddy uh Chip Carter at Southeast Produce Weekly um, he's starting a, a new campaign, like where the food comes from. That's what they're trying to focus on because so many people are interested. They want to know who the Jennifer Waxman's and the Adam Wrights and the Mike Chavez's are, are they getting pair fair way, you know, paid fair wages are, what's their labor situation look like? Do they have enough water? I mean, there's so many crises that are out for farmers. I mean, these are things that people are now going, heck, if I follow my iPhone from China to here on a tracking DHL, I should probably follow my food too, right? I mean, let's let's just be real here. Am I right? Absolutely.
0: That's a good analogy (laughs) for sure.
1: Well, listen, I know when we we first started chatting too, I was so intrigued, you know, Adam, about the villages. And I remember – you came in about halfway through the tour. And I remember, cause we were looking at the, uh, how the water comes into the backside, remember? And I was looking at it and you're like, no, that one's broken. And I was like, oh, how's I'm filming a broken, uh, broken piece? You're like, no, we gotta get that one fixed. But <laughs> you know, I started talking about the villages, like how cool it's been able to grow so fast in the villages. And, and you guys kind of responded, it was like, well, we've cracked the code in certain zip codes and we're doing a lot, but we still haven't cracked the code on all the zip codes we want to be in, right? so as you look forward to that and and we're going to talk about this about cracking the code because direct-to-consumer if you're not the big players in the industry and i'm talking about like the WalMarts, the amazons all these big guys like how the heck do you even get to a consumer even if the consumers want it in their village or if they want it in their community what says they're even going to buy right they might buy once and then never repeat order again So these are a lot of questions that I know possibly might come up. Uh, But but before we do that, um, let's take a quick break. We'll hear from some of our sponsors and then we'll get right back into talking about CEA and what's happening at the Villages Grown. Welcome to Terra Exports, a fast-paced, entrepreneurial, and innovative multinational fresh produce company with eight divisions worldwide that handle fruits and vegetables across 65 countries. Did you know that Terra Exports was featured three times in Inc. 5000's fastest growing companies? Terra Exports starts at the ground, literally, with the growth of the product at the farm all the way through distribution channels up into the end user. They take pride in their products, arriving fresh and damage-free, and they're there every step of the way, working alongside suppliers and customers who share in their common goals. Visit Terra Exports at www.terraexports.com, as well as following them on social media on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. If you get on their website, you can also check their availability calendars and all of the produce that they have in store. When you join Terra Exports, you become a member of their global team of thinkers, innovators, dreamers, and viewers who are bringing a fresh approach to the produce and supply chain industry. So reach out to Terra Exports today at TerraExports.com. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast. Mike, great to hear from some of those sponsors and The Village is Grown. That first part of the conversation has kind of got me thinking all about, man, we need to get into CEA, Mike. You know what I'm saying? I, I, we need to do it, man. This has been a great conversation so far. No, great, uh, great
3: information. Just great everything all around learning about The Village is Grown, how they set out, their solutions, their distribution. I think it's just fantastic. So all good stuff the whole way around. I'm definitely curious to hear more about their plans for the future. So uh, we'll bring uh, Jennifer and Adam back in and uh, get to talking again.
1: Awesome. Hey, Jennifer. Hey, Adam.
4: Hey there.
0: Hey.
1: All right. So before we cut to break, I gave the listeners a little bit to chew on, huh, Adam? I was like, how do we get there? What do we do? Um, because I think that as we've uh, been in person and we've talked is this started as a community project, right? It started in a village. It started in a city, everyone. And it's not in the city anymore. I, I mean, it is, but I think it's grown outside of that. Um, talk about that, man. Talk about the operations and, and how you've grown outside of the, the, a smaller community to now larger ones.
4: Sure. With the, uh, the brand recognition that we've been developing, We've been slowly venturing outside the villages. Um, Words getting out. Uh, people are starting to understand that message. They're getting to actually physically taste our product. And then that gets out to the restaurateurs, it gets out to other residents in different communities. And before you know it, we're getting calls from all over of restaurateurs, distributors wanting to get our product to them. And then, of course, that creates a whole different conversation because we get back to distribution models. is how do we, we spend all this time to grow a perfect product for the end consumer, but everything can go, to,
0: go to, wrong, go wrong
4: <laughs> from the point of view yes, to, to that end consumer. So the education model there continues with whomever we work with, if it's not exactly us doing the distribution and we have to educate them on what our expectations are. And we have to audit that.
1: From two to 48 hours, you're delivering product, right? And yep. and that's what's crazy. And then I, I remember, Jennifer, we were walking through and, um, and you're going to see this soon, everybody, because uh, I've got a whole vlog of what we did um, walking through this facility. But I asked her, I said, where are these going? You're like, oh, these are done. I think they were lettuce heads. I think they, I don't remember the exact variety, but they were getting, you know, these are going to be shipped out. They're going to be packaged. They're going to be sent off, you know, within 20, you know. 24 to 48 hours is pretty much what you said. And I'm just like, man, that's freshness. Like, you know, it's like, it's literally, I watched to get cut everyone. I mean, I saw the process. It was being grown, right? And then I obviously saw the end product, but it was cut. It was put into a box. It was sent off to be packaged. And like I said, someone's going to be eating that within 48 hours. Mike, I'm going to tee this one up for you. It might be good. It might be bad. From the time you pick an orange, besides... You eating it in the packing house or quality control. When does the first customer po- probably take possession of a piece of citrus?
3: Good question. And that is a very variable answer depending on the destination. <laughs> so, I mean, our goal uh, at Golden Star, we're, we're, we try and be as quick turn as possible Um, once the fruit is harvested, which, you know, is the day of we try and run that fruit and have it out our doors on a truck to a destination within 48 to 72 hours, which we Mm -hmm. are able to accomplish a lot uh, in a very high percentage rate. Um, if I'm shipping fruit up to the San Francisco Bay, obviously, you know, that's going to be from the tree to the consumer, probably a four to five day, you know, turnaround time. If I'm shipping to the East coast, you know, it's probably closer to 10 to 14 days, depending on the supply chain. Is it going to a retailer versus a wholesaler and their, uh, their layers in between. So I hate to answer so vaguely, but I would guesstimate it anywhere from five to 15 days.
1: Well, Hopefully. and that's, that's something to, uh, to look at everyone. I mean, obviously we have consumers uh, that listen to this podcast all the way up to, you know, fortune 200 companies and that's something to look at, because even, you know, Jennifer, um, Adam, if you look at uh, Chilean imports and Mike, we've done Chilean imports and and shout out to the you know Chileans because they ship a lot of fruit to the U.S. But it takes about four weeks for it to get here. Right. Once it's been picked. So it's probably been picked, packed. You know, that's 72 to, uh, you know, 96 hours. There's four days and then four weeks to get here. Um, sometimes during the summer that Chilean or that South Africa citrus that you have on the table is already over 30 to 45 days old. Right. Um, And it's not bad though, everyone, this is still great produce. Um, But I think that that's a a big differentiator um, in some of these local farm communities that are producing. And I know Jen, we, I say we, yeah, I feel like I'm a part of this group now. Um, you, you know, you, you have a few different products cause I opened some of them. I, you know, there was tomatoes, there was lettuce. It's not like you are one, you know, one fit operation here. Um, you're, you're developing a lot of different products on a lot of key turnarounds. And like you said, Nine Acres is producing almost, over 7 million pounds of produce. And what's the turnaround on that? Was it like a nine week period, 14 weeks? Tell us.
0: So it, it depends on the crop. Um, hmm. For lettuce heads, we can go 20 to 25 days, depending on the variety or varietal we're using. Uh, microgreens are 10 to 14 day turn. Our tomatoes are 70 to to 80, depending on the type. Um, and so, keep in mind, these are all this product has to come out consistently. Per um, PO per purchase order, Ooh. so we have all these timed and cycled to be producing fruit or the the crop, the heads of lettuce, what have you, so that anytime an order is placed, there's that consistent product availability in our product mix 365 days a year. So it takes a lot of planning and replanning and then replanning in um, each one of our our crops, as you saw are in a different crop life cycle. So one's getting harvested. The other one's coming up uh, right behind it. So you might go into one greenhouse that was planted a month earlier. And so that's how we, we strive to have continuous product of all of our mix uh, per order, Um, which, you know, takes people a lot smarter than me to crack that code, but uh, I'm just the grand facilitator, but uh, there's a lot of thought that goes into this, a lot of software metrics and analysis being done
1: hey listen you said it. it's like hogwarts for cea everyone it, it's <laughs> great like, there's all these different departments there's 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 people going in now there's greens everywhere um if there was magic going on it's in here okay because trust me wait till you see the video i'm telling you i keep thinking about those purple kale stocks when i showed my wife that jennifer uh it was funny. my wife was like what is that and i was like oh that's kale it's, she's like no, no no pause that and i would show her over and over and over again she's like I didn't know that's how kale is grown. I didn't know that's what it looked like, and I was like, "I don't know. I don't think it does." I go, but I think this is what it looks like here. But it was like, it was a beautiful tree too. I would say, right? It's got a, that large trunk that came out of it. Um, something we call I it just,
0: the kale palm trees.
1: The kale palm trees. That's what it was. The kale palm trees, and you're you're gonna see that. But that's this is magic, everyone. Magic's happening here. You're feeding communities. Your 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 reach is getting. You know, it's gonna be statewide you know, hopefully very soon. I mean, there's initiatives all over to put, um, I would say greenhouses and CEA inside a lot of different communities. The, diff- the difference than you than others is you're not just one commodity. And I know a lot of those people that are just one commodity. You have multiple commodities growing. And like I said, look at all the cycles you have going through. You've got a lot of operations to do, right? And one thing we got to highlight is, Mike, you weren't here. And this is something that unless you see it, you're, you, you'll understand it, but you'll be like, "Okay, this is crazy." And Adam, you were like, "I got to turn on the machine to the nutrients, how the nutrients was distributed." And I was like, "How is this uh, like anyway affecting me at this point?" And you're like, "No, trust me." You're like, "All the nutrients comes from these. They were the not drums, but they were uh, I would say it's like little silos you had. Like, it's like they had like Mike. It was like snakes, right? It was like what you see. It's like like this one's going down, but all of a sudden it's like, choo, 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 all these nutrients start going. He's like, so this will facilitate the entire facility. I'm like, yo, what? I'm like, what are we talking about here? Adam, talk a little bit about that. Cause you had some fun showing me, uh, showing me that uh, device and talk about the nutrients that go into um, all the ag that you guys have.
4: Sure. So that was our nutrient injection site and, Really, that's where we, the water that we harvest here on site, we get it into our holding tank and our grower, Ryan Geraldson, he has basically with our team developed some formulas and working with our automation system in our facility, these tanks have different recipes in them of nutrients. And then this machine, which is, it's our injection machine has uh, multiple injectors. It works a lot like a... Uh, and jennifer hates when i refer to soda but uh, a wawa soda fountain so essentially if you want soda with lemonade you punch in that you want those two things put together in your drink and then the injection system fires up and it creates that formula and then it shoots the recipe out to that proper greenhouse and it does that all day long
1: i love the fact mike that he used wawa as an example. Because yeah. if, you, if, you, if you're not East Coast or if you haven't been to the East Coast, you don't really know about Wawa, Mike. Like, could you imagine some of your Californians are like, Wawa? What's a Wawa? But it's so right. It mixes the drink together.
3: I went to one Wawa my first East Coast trip, and I think I was there for 45 minutes just <laughs> walking around. So yeah, Wawa was a big deal for this California simple Valley boy to go out there um, and see, and just the amount of we don't we don't have that kind of stuff in California, so. Very interesting. If you don't know Wawas, look them up.
1: It's like equivalent to In-N-Out Burger. People from the East Coast will come out and be like, "What's this In-N-Out Burger?" We go over, we see a gas station that looks nice. California doesn't have any nice gas stations, and and God forbid if you're driving uh, down any of the freeways, the 405, right, the five, you're like sitting here going, "Oh, I'll stop at this gas station." You can walk, you can go to a gas station. And they're like, "No public restrooms," and you're like, "What? What?" I feel like you walk into a Wawa and you're like, "I listen." You're like, I could do anything, I could be in here for 45 minutes. That Mike said, like, Mike's like, I was there for 45 minutes, like a little grocery store. Um, uh, here's wonder-
0: that Wawa, we need you,
1: Wonders <laughs> of the West Coast. See, Wawa, you better reach out. You can get some good, good fruits and vegetables, uh, right in that centerpiece that has all the good, uh, the freshness in it, right? They have their juices, their fresh fruits, their vegetables, everything. All right. know, yes. If they don't call back, then. <laughs> Get him! No, I'm just kidding. All right. So let's look at the future. Um, you know, Jen, Adam, we talked a little bit about these nine acres. I know there's a total of 85 on the property. You've talked about some of the, there's up to 40 that's going to be in production. Um, but what does the future hold? I mean, is it just this 85 acres here locally in, in Wildwood, the Ocala area? Or what, what do you see yourself in the next you know few years in, within this space?
0: Um, we'll diversify our product. Uh, mix and our different types of indoor growing so we might go to two-story buildings for certain crops Um, we are looking into and we always have had berry production year-round on our on our docket Um, we were going to enter into mushrooms but found a really great partnership um, with an outfit here um, that we're gonna hopefully work even closer with as they expand they'll expand with us we have artisanal year-round CEA mushrooms which is very very exciting it's only done on a small scale here in Florida unless you're a big conventional operation but as far as CEA nobody's really cracked the code for expansion and we we think we're on the path for that with our partners so um, more so maxing out our footprint here and really you know our intent is to lead best practices and to lead the utmost in education efforts and continue our food is medicine approach through our hospital medical networks where we're empowering and educating the doctors which is scary because most of them don't understand nutrition and continue our efforts there to where they can in turn educate not only their own teams but the patients. So then we're both a B2B and a B2C model through our medical networks and empowering you know, those that are in charge of our health and wellness, but also empowering the end user by educating from the top level and then at the consumer level as well. So it's a back and forth dialogue between wellness providers and and those that are taking health into their own hands. And so that to us is, you know, everyone always has told us focus, focus, focus. I hear that all the time. Are you B2B? Or are you B2C? Well, we're both because a business is Within a business, there's consumers when we're talking about food, and it really shouldn't be separated. Um, and I think that's some of you know the flexibilities we have in the model that we created. We are a little different than a typical model that chooses a demographic, and and that becomes their, their one-way model. We're a two-way model. So we'll continue that. I think where we're getting really excited is creating alliances. Um, with other local farm partners, both CEA alliances. So we have a continuous 365 day supply uh, chain solution with other CEA providers, but bringing in those seasonal awesome local farmers and really building a for Florida by Florida food network and food community, that's, that's our end goal. And then obviously we, we hope if we're leading best practices in the U.S., which we're on our way to doing that, um, that we can help replicate this model with other other companies or communities that want to do this throughout the U.S. and beyond.
1: Food is for better health. I mean, it, it's so crazy because if, if you surround the education around that, and and I was talking to a friend of mine last week about this, is about trying new things with your kids, right? And it's funny because if you're excited to try something, your kids are normally excited to try something as well. And it's so funny because I've got a gal that I follow on Instagram. She's called The Produce Nerd. You got to check her out. She's awesome. But a lot of her videos are her making fruit bowls. She's like, I started off by making fruit bowls. And now it's like my kids, like, I don't even get to finish the fruit bowls because my kids are just gouging into it. But as I'm making these fruit bowls and it's like now her kids, her kids just pretty much realize like those are their snacks, right? And so education is key. I mean, I I completely agree with you. Mike, can you imagine like if we just completely switched our marketing to go to like our retailers, wholesalers and be like citrus for better health, everyone, you got to buy it. This is why they'd be like, "Okay." like it's so crazy that with even within the same industry, Mike, look how totally different our sales approaches and our sales techniques are. And even like Jennifer was like, Hey, wow what's up? You know, like we're all selling to a lot of these same customers and going after these same people, but look at the approach of traditional farming versus um, controlled environment agriculture. Like, doesn't that blow your mind, man? Like, that's crazy to me.
3: Oh, it blows my mind for a lot of reasons. The practices are different. The approach is different. It's just a, a totally different way to look at agriculture. And I get it is a little different, but it's still agriculture, no matter what. Um, very yep. interesting stuff. And I, feel like our industry, like in a situation I'm in, where it's the typical, you know, grower, packer, shipper model and sales and marketing as well, we're kind of trained to think a certain way. And I think we've put ourselves in a box in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, not necessarily due to the pandemic, but it's very pandemic driven as we've gotten into Zoom calls and breakout rooms and um, clubhouse, uh, clubhouse talks and you know, everyone really talking about, you know, the keyword is always pivot with everyone. We're starting to open up our minds and broaden our horizons versus the typical, just go chase the PO down, go chase the customer down, go chase that sales, sales down. Uh, one thing that resonated for me, you know, just now was you identify yourself as not only B2B marketing, but B2C, you know, and that's clear with your distribution efforts, um, everything that you're doing. And the still the conversations we're having now of, companies that are grower-packer models, uh, they're not focused on B2, B2C B at all. They're just B2B, and that's fine. That's the way we've always done things. But maybe it is a time for that change, maybe with our technology, maybe with our practices, and maybe with the demand schedule, especially bouncing off this pandemic, hopefully we're over the hump on this thing, we're going to be able to get you know, some of these great microgreens right to the consumer's front door. We're going to be able to take care of some of the local restaurateurs on the B2B side, And service the entire demand schedule. I think that's very forward thinking. I really think that that's the direction we're heading in.
1: I think so. I think it's going to take time. I think, just like everything else we talk about, like within the industry, it's something that's completely different. So we're not going to do it yet, right? We're just, we're. We're going to see how everybody else does it, and then we might play off of that, right? I mean, that's a lot of things that happens um, with it. And I think that's why, like, even wholesalers this last year, you know, Jen, as we were talking, that some of them, you know, local restaurants were partnering up with local farmers as well because of the consistent supply and things like that. And that was something that's so new. And now as I talk about, like, you know, I go to, like, these United Fresh calls or, you know, these expos, and people are talking about, putting CEA into their business or creating partnerships, not just doing it themselves, but like, Hey, we have a partnership with the village is grown because obviously they get us our tomatoes. They get us our lettuce. They get us all these different things. So I think it's growing one within the B2B, like you were saying, and that B2C, I mean, heck with Mike and I working on flavor wave and, and doing direct to consumer, Produce, fresh produce, not misfits, not, you know, uh, off brand, not, oh, it's it looks ugly or, oh, it's going to a rot. It's like we're delivering fresh produce because it's like you said, this is, yes, it's B2B, but we have to reach the consumer. The consumer is the only one that could tell us what we want. We can educate the retailer, the wholesaler, every person and woman in between. But guess what? They're technically not the ones eating it. They, they're pushing it to another department like mike was saying within the supply chain to get it to the consumer right and then we're relying on data within the industry whether it's iri right consumer data to say are consumers buying more oranges than they do asparagus and then depending on how that consumer data is shown it could skew sales at retail we all know this we've been in this industry for years so i i think it's awesome what what you guys are doing i think it's a great little uh, spot up in I've been Wildwood, like I said, on on the way to my in laws' house, so I knew exactly where it was. Um, Jen, Adam, I, I want to ask you know if anybody does want to get a hold of the company or yourselves, um, how can they go about doing that? Jen, you first.
0: Sure, LinkedIn is the the best for me. It gives I, I think it gives a snippet of who who I am and and who the village has grown is. Um, and and then vice versa. So you really know your audience. We're all very busy. So knowing your audience is key um, before jumping into a conversation, I think. Love LinkedIn. If you're listening, LinkedIn, it's Jennifer Waxman, W-A-X-M-A-N, or info at thevillagesgrown.com.
4: And over on my side, same thing on LinkedIn, active user. It's Adam Wright at LinkedIn. And um, also Preactive on Instagram, you can find us at TVG underscore AWJW. You'll see a lot of cool pictures from the farm. And a lot of cute cat pictures.
1: (laughs) And a lot of cute cat pictures. Everyone, The Village Has Grown. Great to have both of you on today. Lovely to share your story and where the future of CEA lies within the produce and supply chain industry. Mike, it's always great having you on, co-hosting an episode, and really challenging the fact of traditional growing to CEA growing. It's a completely different thing, Mike, but guess what? It's a conversation to start being had.
3: Now, thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure to speak with Jennifer and Adam here. Very interesting stuff. I look forward to seeing your growth. Um, Where this spurs off, I have a feeling we're going to see a lot more from the villages grown and some of the innovation and just the thought process, really. We need people like you two and your your group, really, to come in, really kind of rattle the cage, so to speak, in our industry for a lot of reasons. That's the only way we're going to progress and learn from each other, And I absolutely applaud you guys and uh, look forward to seeing more.
1: We will see you in the fields or on the horizon, but now in this case, possibly in the greenhouse. Thank you, everyone.
0: You've been listening to the Produce Industry Podcast with Patrick Kelly. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Produce Industry Podcast. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.